0: People need to understand the the holiness and sovereignty of God. They need to understand that they are not like God, the sinfulness and depravity of the entirety of humanity. And then in light of those two things, we can see this beautiful, magnificent gift that saving grace really is.
1: everyone. Welcome to the Gary Wilson podcast. Really blessed and honored that you're here with us today. We're going to do something a little bit different today, and I know you're going to be blessed and encouraged and uh, probably even challenged and uh, pr- provoked in thought. The um a new format a little bit. I just let me go here and in, in a minute. I'll introduce Joshua West, but a uh, new format will be myself and Joshua West uh, dialoguing about some things of Scripture. Scripture comes to mind. I've had some many conversations with Josh. The Scripture comes to mind is to, to know the things of God, yea, even the deep things of God in 1 Corinthians. Uh, I, I really believe that's where we're going to be headed. If you're hungry for things, if you're tired of the superficial or the trite or the the common. And when I say common, I don't mean that in the sense of um, for the common good, but just the, the lighthearted and the frivolity that, that uh, and you want something more and you're hungry for the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Uh, I think these podcasts over the next weeks and months are going to be really a blessing to you. We're going to be talking about some some uh, subjects that sound to maybe to the to the hearer at first glance would be oh that's the elementary things the gospel sanctification grace uh, truth but uh, I think you're going to see that these things are uh, really go uh, to the deep things of our heart and that's where God I believe wants to take the church today before I introduce him uh, let me just uh, bring I don't often do this but we at World Challenge have a few new items that we want to bring to your attention the Promise Calendar of 2023 faith promises for your family uh, we. We worked really hard at putting scripture verses uh, each day of um, the year that help you encourage, pray for your family, believe for your family, trust. So many of us have have had, or do have. Uh, I had it myself, but g- thankfully God has done the miracle in our family. Um, but we've had prodigal children or kids that were uh, far from God. Uh, this, this this prayer promise calendar will be a great uh, help help to you. Faith promises for your family, and we have that available uh, for free. You can get one copy or as, uh, as many as you want to give to your friends. We'll send them to you. This this off- this is almost always the uh, best selling item we have at World Challenge. It has uh, uh, an introduction that I wrote about faith from the of family. And then it also has um, uh, an article by my father, the, a family altar about prayer. Um, ha, has uh, articles by uh, other, uh, Nikki Cruz, uh, When God Provides. Uh, Nikki uh, came from a gang lifestyle and then ended up having four daughters who are all serving Jesus. And uh, he brings great truth here. Uh, another book that I'm really excited about is uh, it's called Fire in His Bones. It's going to be coming out in, I believe, February, possibly March. But you can pre-order it now already. I have just a, a introductory copy here. Uh, but it's Fire in His Bones, a collection of 50 most powerful sermons of David Wilkerson. Uh, the forewords by Nicky Cruz and I wrote an introduction. Uh, but it has uh, we collected uh, 50 of the sermons that were really life-transforming for a, a lot of people. I asked a lot of my friends and my father's co-workers which sermon made the most impact on their life. Uh, uh, Nikki which Sermon uh, uh, Ask My Wife and others and we could put these together in this book. Uh, you can order that now uh, if you want to pre-order it. Uh, Barnes and Nobles is a great place to do that. Uh, obviously Amazon and, and any place where you you might order uh, books, whether you order it uh, it'll be on audiobook and it'll also, uh, you can have an electronic copy or you can get the I'm still old school kind of like the paper thing uh, I'm also an underliner and a circler and stuff and so uh, I, I, I kind of tend to do that I'd love, for, love for you to but in whatever format you 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 like, uh, you do that. So, and speaking of fire in our bone, in his bones, we are, are piggybacking on this theme and having pastors' conferences called "Fire in Our Bones," and in, 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 in uh, February in San Diego, and then in August of next year in New York City at Times Square Church. The one in San Diego will be uh, in partnership with so- Southern California Teen Challenge, and we're looking for an amazing time. There's Victory outreaches out there, and uh, some great churches, a great work of God. But uh, whether you're from that region or anywhere in the country, we encourage you to. To be there. Uh, I've been mentioning Nikki Cruz. He'll be there. Carter Conlon, uh, Pastor Tim Delena from uh, Times Square Church in New York City. Uh, possibility. I was just on the phone today with somebody, uh, Pastor Greg Laurie. Uh If the dates work out, he might even be joining us. And um, we're, we're thrilled to uh, be presenting that. The, the idea behind that is we want to see uh, pastors' hearts stirred for revival so that there can be an awakening in our nation. If that if we can see those things happen, uh, the trajectory of our nation will be greatly changed. Well, anyway, I'm in the studio. We want to get into the Word today. Uh, uh, Joshua West is here with us, a new staff member at World Challenge. Uh, Josh was, to, to me, he's the kind of man. Uh, and The message that he preaches, I heard him, reminds me a little bit of a quick story Um My father was in a car. Uh, He was asking for somebody to asking the Lord, I, I need somebody to help me with the messaging here at Times Square Church. And he, somebody sent him a sermon of Carter Conlin, and he put the CD, uh, the uh, actually it was a cassette tape, he put it in the, his car, listened to it, and said, that's the man, God gave him a word. And I, I think when I heard you preach, I kind of thought, oh, you know, that, that, uh, that that's the man, that uh, you're going to come here and help us uh, proclaim the message and the gospel. So thank you, Joshua, for being with us at World Challenge, and thank you for joining here as co-host of the Gary Wilson podcast. Thrilled to have you with us. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your history. I know you, uh, you have kind of a dynamic life story, really, just uh, real, real briefly, just, uh, and then we'll get into the Word.
0: Excellent. Well, first and foremost, thank you uh, for inviting me to be a part of this. I, uh, I've been yeah. on one of your other podcasts yeah. or two segments uh, as an author, which was a huge yeah. honor, but it, it really has been a blessing to be invited to come be part of this ministry because... Um, This ministry is near and dear to my heart and my walk with God uh, from the time I became a Christian. So uh, thank you for that, Gary. Well, you know... um, uh, I always make the joke that I wasn't headed towards the seminary, I was headed towards the cemetery. And, <laughs> wow. you know, without spending, you know, long time, uh, you know, deeply from a very early age, uh, was not only uh, seduced, but just enamored by drugs. I was a musician and idolized, you know, your your Jimi Hendrix's and mm. your Jim Morrison's and all of this sort of stuff and really um, got into drugs pretty, pretty early. Um, uh, in high school but by the time I was a young adult was a full blown drug addict hopeless lost and mm-hmm. you know intravenous drug user the the worst kind far beyond a prodigal I mean I was yeah. definitely at the in a very bad place And so it was through the ministry of, well, first and foremost, uh, hearing the the voice of the Lord through his scripture in in a jail cell in Dallas County, Hmm. where I, I began to truly believe. I heard, I believed that the Bible was true. I began to believe these things came out of jail and uh, had every intention of living for God, but um, the trajectory of my life and the ruts I had worn to the ground in my life were strong. Sin was strong. I had sowed to my flesh my whole life. So pretty quickly, my good intentions were, were washed away. Um, and then I struggled again with addiction. But this time, I like to say I, I was walking with a pebble in my shoe um, because <laughs> I, I couldn't enjoy the depravity the anymore. I couldn't enjoy I, – because I knew that, that God had something more for me and eventually met a man who helped me into Teen Challenge. Mm. And, uh, and from that point on, you know, uh, God began to not only uh, – you know, I didn't just know his word and believe it, but began to be conformed to the image of Christ through the gospel of Jesus Christ and through through the scripture. And uh, really just, uh, you know, my life from there, you know, I've done many things. Uh, I was a youth pastor uh, a couple of times, um, traveled as an evangelist and itinerated, um, spent most of my ministry as a pastor in the context of Teen Challenge, right. nearly a decade of my life. Um, pastoring men and, and also running a school of ministry where these men who had had calls of God in their life were able to become credentialed ministers, many of whom today are pastoring churches. And um, But really, uh, you know, for me, the, the word of God is what transformed my life from the very beginning. And so you know, the centerpiece of my ministry uh, has always been biblical truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having lived in such a um, a confused world. Obviously, in my early days in Christianity, I had a lot of uh, negative influence from televangelists and f- word-faith preachers that brought a lot of confusion into my life. And so, in finding clarity through God's Word, you know, my goal is to really preach the gospel, the uncompromised gospel of Jesus Christ, and to help people grow in biblical truth. And, and so, you know that's in a nutshell my story i've had the yeah. opportunity to to author some books and yeah. uh you know preached all over the world i've you know stood next to men who i admire and you know th- thought about my past and wonder what am i doing in this room with these people but yeah. uh, god truly does take foolish broken contrite things to for yeah. for his glory and so this humble vessel just wants to, uh, you know, proclaim the glory of God and the gospel of Christ. And and that's what we're here to talk about today, right?
1: Amen. Well, you do it well. I've heard you preach and preaching with you. We were just together in Oklahoma, had a pastor's conference there. And the the guys from the ministry that you were pastoring were there as well, hungry hearted young men. So obviously you've sown seeds into their life that created that spiritual hunger. And we saw, you uh, you know, I was inviting people to the pastors' conferences that we'll be having next year. But we saw that in Oklahoma, didn't we, that these pastors that were weary and exhausted and frustrated and disappointed, they they were believing for more but not seeing the reality of that. Just come and be refreshed and invigorated in in knowing the gospel and stuff. But let me ask you this personal question. Um, So, you know, a lot of times somebody gets saved, you know, out of jail or whatever or off the streets or, you know, maybe a CEO of a company that was just, you know, Living a miserable life and depressed, and they get saved, and, and and their salvation story is is a good one, but it kind of gets stuck there. It's like, oh, I got saved in 1994, and uh, you know. But yours, what? It's an awkward question to ask. Like you, you you don't just live off that experience of getting saved. You have deeply pursued the things of God, and when I'm around you, I know I'm around a man of God who's hungry for the face of God and knowledge. What would you say is about you that, uh, I know you don't want to boast or anything like that, but, but there's something that, you know, as the Bible calls it, a man of a different spirit. Uh, what sets you apart in a sense, or men like you, from people that sort of get saved, but then they just sort of live off that history and they don't really come into the deep things of God?
0: Well, you know, just speculating, obviously, there's there's a work of the Spirit of God. Uh, mm-hmm. There's things about the Word of God, the call of God on people's lives. But I think one thing, just one detail that I think really um, propelled me in the way it did was my background. Um, mm-hmm. And not all people who have the same background end up in the same place. But, you know, I kind of came to a place in my life where I had tasted superficial religion. I had tasted self-help religion. Mm-hmm. I had tasted addiction. I had tasted all these things. And um, I think the the sort of immediacy and severity of living in that sort of a all or nothing. Listen, being a drug addict is all or nothing. Yeah. Um, when you're a junkie, it's all or nothing. You you would do anything to... to get that high, you know, um, and some people don't understand that. Or at least they think they don't because they categorize addiction, you know, to drugs as something less severe as pornography or, mm-hmm. you know, um, being a shopaholic or whatever thing we try to stuff inside to right. find fulfillment that was never meant to fulfill us. Good things and and bad things. But um, I think for me, it was – I came to a place in my life where I, I just – you know i cried out to god i want all of it or i want none of it um and either it's real or it's not and and i think it's in that desperate place it's not a it's not anything great about me it's a place <laughs> of of humility and desperation where where i want all of god not not because um i want to do great things in life but because I realize there's no point in going on with life if there isn't something more than just getting up every day and earning money or you know because i've had both seasons you know i had a a lot of addiction seasons, but i also had a a season early in christianity where i you know tried to pursue being successful and wanted you know Mm -hmm. thought that that and and at some point you realize all things all wells are empty except for the 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 well of christ i also think the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, coming to terms with the the, the brevity of the gospel. You mm-hmm. know, I think a lot of people's Christianity is shallow because – not to use a fancy theological word – because their soteriology or their their mm-hmm. view of salvation is shallow. Mm-hmm. And I think this is – probably the reason why so much of christianity is shallow is because we think of the gospel is this box we check off or this yeah. door we walk through to get through to the things that we always really wanted yeah. um, and i think the true proclamation of the gospel is that the gift and the reward of the gospel is christ That's right. and so obviously i didn't uh, coming to that it's a certain point you realize that nothing else matters yeah. it really is all or nothing and i don't mean that in a legalistic way where you try harder to pursue god yeah. you realize that everything like paul said compared to the surpassing worth of christ is by comparison garbage
1: yeah. well you have yeah you you have i i would say that if i were to try to take a shot at that question i asked i, I would say that there's obviously the sovereignty of God. You know, if you were to ask Paul the Apostle, like, Paul, what, you know, why are you so diligent in prayer and in the Word and going around the world preaching the Gospel? I think his first response would be, he you know, picked me up by the scruff of my neck and told me I was gonna do it, and uh, you know, I don't really have a whole lot of choice in it. He's put the Spirit within me. And, and then he also says, you know, this I work harder than all of you by the power of God that works in me. And so you know, I think there is that divine selection from God, but that but that can also be frustrating because then you go like, oh, God selected that person and not me, or He put His spirit on, you know, on so and so, but not on me, and, and I think that could disappoint us if we're not careful to realize, okay, the sovereignty of God, uh, any son or daughter of God is selected by God to be used mightily by God to be empowered the way Paul was empowered to work harder than all the rest of them. Um, you know, So there is that sovereignty of God. And there's also that sense of uh, God empowering us to walk in agreement to that without rebellion. Um, you and I are both looking at the book of Hebrews together, doing some writing on it. And you know, there's that sense of uh, don't drift away or don't harden your heart or don't don't be removed from you know, the simplicity of the gospel. Uh, one of them is one of the names of the book you wrote, The Simple Gospel. And um, yeah, so I, I think there's that combination of uh, you know, just God in his mercy and then us in our hunger. Uh, he put a hunger in our heart for him and we're responding to that, whereas others may have been. Um, just, just pulling back from from the intensity of of this this high calling. But anyway, we're going to be talking about exactly what you just talked about: how the gospel you know reached you and how it reached me. Very different story, but I needed the gospel as much as you. I was, I was, uh, I had the Adamic nature, the sin nature. I was far from God. I didn't know it because I got saved when I was six years old. So you don't really know you're walking in depravity and and in uh, you know and spiritual blindness, and the veil covering our eyes. But uh, at the same time, you know. St- I still, and I, I can look back and say, okay, I, I need that gospel. So we're going to be today asking the question, what is the gospel? This may uh, bleed into some of the weeks to come, and then we're going to be talking about things like justification, sanctification, um, uh, the, the, you know, who, who is Christ? What is the Trinity? We're going to be asking some theological questions and how they can impact us in our in our daily life. But let's dig into the uh, what is what is the gospel? A lot of people have different. Views of that. Some people say, "Well, the gospel is, uh, you know, just good news. So, so just make people happy about who they are." And others say, the, you know, then others have this very complex system of the charts and things that people just get overwhelmed with that. So, uh, just just uh, to, to pick your brain a little bit on, if I were to ask you the question, "What is the gospel?" Where, where does your mind first go with that?
0: Well, just you know, like when you talk about. Uh you know, it's just good news. Or you know, even with the love of God, we we can enter in at the wrong place and mm-hmm. kind of. Um you know, maybe catch a glimpse of part of it instead of kind of taking it in context and looking at it from the view of, like you said, the sovereignty of God. You know, all good theology starts with a healthy understanding of who God is. Right. This is the stream that everything else flows out of. And so, just a little, not to narrate here, but just a little backstory on what the gospel is. If you just want to dissect the word, the Greek word euvangelion, which is where we get the word, the Greek word uh, is the derivative from where we get the word evangel and evangelistic and all these sort of things. Um, we find this this sort of expression of the good news of the gospel. Paul refers to it in Romans ten when he you know he says, "Well, how will they know if someone doesn't go, and how will someone go if they're not sent?" But at the end of it, he says he quotes a scripture from Isaiah where he says, "How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of peace." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, in the the biblical context of that, when you go back to Isaiah fifty two. What this is talking about, this sort of this this idea of good news, is really uh, you know men who are at war uh, in the the mountains and in the valleys and wars happening, and they didn't have CBs or cell phones or, <laughs> or you know modern technology, and so at some point the the city is conquered or a treaty happens, and uh, so the war is really over, right? <laughs> But the men are still fighting in the fields because nobody has told them yet. Hmm. So there's this this group of people, these heralds, these... Proclaimer, so to speak, who would bring the good news that peace had been reached. Yeah. And so in this, this idea, when we frame it that way, they're going to, to these people and saying, you know, put down your swords, the battle yeah. is over. Amen. And so this is sort of the, the root of where we get this, this word, this Hebrew word that yeah. is, a, that is now in Greek, you know, this idea of good news. And so what is the good news? Yeah. And I think, uh, that we you know we have discussed this in other times between you and i but it's it it is what we think about typically it's the the life death and resurrection of christ and the the salvation he secured for us but really it's the reconciling of all things back to their rightful place mm-hmm. in, in christ and that's that's what the the book of uh colossians and the book of second corinthians you know talks about this idea or uh excuse me uh Colossians 1, when it talks about that, you know, he's the image of the invisible God. And Mm -hmm. there's these places where it's talking about Christ reconciling things back to himself. And so, really, that is what God is doing through the gospel. The good news is Christ is reconciling us back to himself. Now, the mechanics of the gospel is you know, what he did to secure us, yeah, the well, price he paid on the cross. But that, but the idea of the wholeness of the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, that's good. The, um, as you started to talk there, the, you know, it's, uh, the simplicity of it is it is the good news. And the the word news there we understand in our own context today it's it's not something that's going to happen it's not prophetic it's not an announcing that one day salvation might come to a lost people uh, we're sinners and we've fallen short of the glory of God and hopefully one day you can work this out and earn your salvation or something like that it's not it's not good prophecy it's not good foretelling of the future it's news news is something that's already been done it's finished you know it's like uh, the um, you know. The, the the Yankees lost the World Series. That's news, you know. Or right. the World War Two. It's it's over. it has been done. And so, that the gospel is 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 something's been done for you, which I, that helps me uh, understand the gospel better in the light that it's 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 not so much uh, what I do. It's been what, what's done for me. And I, I think we want to break down those those categories because the good news could be something simple as you you know you you, you know like. If you ask somebody, like, okay, you're in an elevator with somebody, and you've got 30 seconds to tell them about salvation, Jesus, well, you probably would say, you know, God loves you, Jesus died for you, you're a sinner, you're far from God, and you need to repent and turn. So you have a couple basic elements that are said real quickly there. But really, the gospel is, it goes from all the way from, like you said earlier, who is God? Um, what has he done for us? What? Is, who is man? We have to understand man and the fallen nature of man. So there's all kinds of ingredients, and I just like to take some time uh, to break this down a little bit. Um, probably starting with, uh, you know, God as creator. Really, that's, I think that's part of the, the, the good news that we're here. We wouldn't <laughs> we wouldn't know the good news unless we knew we were here. That uh, that the word spoke into existence not only light and and earth and animals but but a human being that was created in his image that's usually where i start with the gospel is is all of us were created in god's image and then that then i'd say the to follow up with that the, the but that image was was become gnarly it became deformed you know we were formed in the image of god now we've become deformed by the satanic work the attack against us so then there, there's that fallen nature um, yeah so that that uh uh, uh, you know, and then understanding then the difference between that, the nature of the the Creator God, and we were in His image, and and there was a, there was a holiness to that, there was a purity to that, there was walking in obedience to that, and then that fall in nature, uh, all of a sudden now we're in rebellion to God, and God's wrath is against us. So, um, yeah, I'd say holiness. Um, that, that's just a few of the starting places I go. Uh, how about yourself? Where where, where, where do you uh, do, do you do you add those elements when you're thinking of the gospel as well, or?
0: Oh, definitely. I think um, to I, we were talking about this in the beginning, but I think the to superimpose salvation as. Uh, the gospel as this sort of prayer you recite and then you get to the bigger things of Christianity I think when we study the Bible uh, in context and we, we see the continuity between the God of the Old Testament being the same God of the New Testament I think we begin to see the theme of redemption like you said we we see the first sign of it in genesis 3. Mm-hmm. You know this this action put into place from the very beginning we see the heart of god towards humanity. Tell we tell see, the
1: people what you mean in genesis 3 just in case they're not familiar with what you're talking about. Oh definitely.
0: Yeah. You know obviously in this moment when when Adam and Eve have sinned against god and the fall has happened this curse has been put on humanity immediately this prophetic uh, foretelling of the gospel is there, you know, when it says that that the, the heel of the seed of the woman would one day crush mm-hmm. the head of the serpent. And so the reason it's important to, th- to think all the way back through that is you see this is the gospel being not a message of Christianity, but the message yeah. of Christianity. And I think the reason why we have oftentimes people with Who maybe are false converts or even Christians who live in a superficiality of their faith, um, you know, and not experience the victory that comes with being part of god's redemption is because we don't see this as a work that was that was started by god the gospel was initiated by god Mm -hmm. well just like you said creation was initiated by god salvation was initiated by god it was secured by god and it will be fulfilled by god Mm -hmm. and i think this comes down to the to the real ground floor of that the gospel isn't something that Christ did so that we could do something. Uh, you know, He did His part; we do our part. The gospel really is um, come into agreement and fellowship with what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. And that's what it really is. Where it's a is this miracle that happens, and so I think uh, you know now we do something because Christ did something. You're saved. You're justified now go do good works but but i think understanding this the just the the power of god and salvation we really see the heart of god towards us Mm -hmm. and so uh before i ask you a question for me i always want to add the these three elements when i'm talking about you know an elevator pitch or depending (laughs) on how much time you have you have 30 minutes you have two minutes you have 10 seconds Um, people need to understand the, the holiness and sovereignty of God. Yeah. They need to understand that they are not like God, the sinfulness and depravity of the entirety of humanity. And then, in light of those two things, we can see this beautiful, magnificent gift that saving grace really is. And so, how, how where you come in to articulate those things, obviously, it'd be great if someone gave you an hour of their time mm-hmm. or 30 minutes of their time, but realistically, in, in, in a, even in a 30 second pitch I always want to touch on one of all three of those things um, I'm not going to try to convince people of things that the bible already tells me that deep inside they know yeah. I'm trusting the fact that they were created in the image of God right and that, that that deep down you know what does it say in Romans 1 everybody know everybody really knows there's a God yeah. but we suppress it because of sin and so um, I'm going to I'm going to elevate the holiness of God, the the sinfulness of man, and so that as I do those two things, the the gift of grace is is glorious and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what in your mind when you yeah. think of the gospel as far as you know other than the starting point of creation what yeah. what comes to mind for you
1: yeah the the um, i think it's more than you know and I, I know we're framing this conversation in that cuz i started off by talking about the elevator pitch you know the if you had 30 seconds in the elevator but you know it's it's really a, a lifelong connection to god uh, the vine and the branch uh, the, 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 so so it's you know it's i'm still learning the gospel i'm still digging into more of the gospel, but, you know, and so it's more than like a, I think sometimes we think of the gospel, and we think of Billy Graham preaching the gospel, it's a sinner's prayer at the end of it, it's, it's like you're a sinner and you die, you know, the Romans road, we have these different right. concepts, but I, you know, you and I both, I know we've had this conversation before, you know, we think it's so much more than an evangelistic conversation with somebody. That's just the, that's like the preamble Uh, to the Constitution, you know, and the gospel is the whole Constitution. And so, yeah, but I would agree with you that there, there has to be, particularly in our Western society culture, there, there's such an indoctrination from childhood, you know, uh, Johnny, you can do anything. Oh, you're you drew a picture of a squiggly thing and we're, it's on the refrigerator for two years with, a, you know, you're the most brilliant artist in the world. Oh, you're the greatest musician. You just sang a note out that screeches in everybody else's ear. So we're indoctrinated how great we are. So when somebody says you know, uh, you need Grace, you go like no, I don't. I'm I'm really good, and God probably wants me on His side because I'm so talented. And so, <laughs> so you know, I think in America, particularly, very different than a culture that used to be understanding. Like I'm uh, I'm failing. I'm I have shortcomings, uh, and even the language we're using there. Uh, I make mistakes, or I've, I've uh, uh, you know I misspoke. You know we don't say we lied anymore. We misspoke. Uh, you know we don't we don't. Uh, uh, you know, there's there's all you know. Almost every sin now has a, a better label on it. So we're really building a whole culture that is, without us knowing it, it's really anti-gospel. It's creating an environment where the where the the enemy is trying to get the world to think it doesn't need salvation because it's not so lost. So I, I think, in really truly understanding the gospel, it, it is to understand how holy God is. He's he's not just better. He's not like if if you know if if I if. Uh, you know, if I'm holy on a scale of one to ten, at you know a 3.5, and Billy Graham's a 4.8, and the best, most holy person you know is a 5.2, and then we thought, well, God's a 10. No, God's not on that scale. Right. He, he is other. He created a scale of holiness for us. He doesn't exist on that scale. He is the essence of holiness. He is the creator of holiness. He is the the, the divine holy one himself. So he doesn't he doesn't exist in that way uh, as better than. Although Hebrews talks about him better than a lot, but he's other than as well, and yeah. so we have to understand he's higher and holier, and and but then to understand our sin nature that separates us from God, is to understand not that we've made some mistakes, or or we failed to live up to God's standard, but but what God not only is he holy, but he requires. That of us. And I think that's a missing element when oftentimes people want to try to understand the gospel is, is God's holy and I'm a sinner. Yeah, but I expect both those things, but they don't realize that's not God's expectation. God expects us to obey the ordinances, the precepts, the teachings, the truth, the law, even if you will, of God. Right. He expects us to live those perfectly. Would you agree with that? Or?
0: Oh, most definitely. Um, I don't want to quote him uh, wrongly, but I'll paraphrase, you know, Spurgeon once said that, you know, we can't we can't lace people with the the silk thread of the gospel unless we pierce their heart with the needle of the law. Mm. And I think one of the the things that we've done in our culture, particularly our culture, we don't we don't need to over exaggerate the sinfulness of our culture compared to a world that's been that's true. born yeah. into sin. Yeah. But in our particular context, I think one of the exacerbating factors is is and don't get me wrong i'm all for i'm not against the billy graham crusade or any of these sort of things but we have fashioned this into this sort of decisionalism Mm -hmm. and it really is rooted in moral deism what i mean by that is exactly what you just said It's this idea that we are mostly good people who are trying to do, trying hard to do better. So, in the context of me and you, for instance, you're David Wilkerson's son. You gave your life to God when you were six. You probably, by the world standards, lived a better life than me, and that's a true statement. It's okay to say that, but when we when we're framing things in the otherness of God that you were as desperate yes. for the gospel as I was. Right. Um, and I think that that is shocking to people. Yeah. So people would look at my testimony, sometimes in the, the Teen Challenge world, you know, people get almost enamored with the drug and alcohol testimony, you're know, you a junkie or you're you a gang member. And it is an amazing story. Nikki Cruz, these are amazing stories that God uses to build our faith. But when we're thinking categorically about the gospel, we need to realize that building Billy Graham, David Wilkerson, mm-hmm. um, you know the think of the most faithful people, the Apostle Paul. You mm-hmm. know these people needed God uh, in the gospel as desperately as Josh West, the the street mm-hmm. junkie, and I think that's how we have to bear out those those concepts of the holiness of god bear out the idea of the grievousness of sin not relabeling or repackaging sin uh to fit into uh, uh, an idea that really does fall into sort of in a self-help christianity yeah. and it's not a self-help christianity we couldn't help ourselves um i i often hear people say this i've heard pastors say this and they're saying, man, why won't this guy just surrender to Christ? He's a great guy. Like,
1: mm-hmm. he's
0: he's the president of the bank, and no. he gives money to charity. Um, you know, but it's almost like they feel like he's closer to God. Than that wretched, you know, person. Yeah,
1: he's up on the scale.
0: Like whereas the yeah. whereas the hymn writer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or Paul or Isaiah would say, you know, "Amazing mm-hmm. Grace, how sweet the sound," yeah. saved a wretch like me. And so I think the the preaching of now you can preach sin in a way that's condemning, mm-hmm. you know, this sort of like try yeah. harder. You can yeah. you can flip that, but I think the grievousness of sin to God can't be. Um, minimized in our language because like I said before the grievousness of sin uh, let me say this one last thing the holiness of God dictates that the wages of sin is death And so it's not like some God man. Couldn't God be a little nicer? Or does that? No, it's the the otherness of God makes it where His His holy love and His holy justice can't coexist with sin. And so I think that sort of veering away from that kind of preaching, in 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 essence to over in in essence to get away from maybe some legalism or some over hellfire and brimstone moralistic preaching of the past we have swung the pendulum too far the other way and now people don't see the glorious gift of grace as glorious because That's right they're pretty good and i'll tell you what yeah. i'll tell you one more thing as a drug addict who was a drug dealer and a liar and a thief even in my horrible context I always thought i was a pretty good person yeah you could be kind you and know there's take care i'm not like them there's always yeah. someone worse than you um and what 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 drew me to the gospel in a jail cell in 2001 was a man who who exposed me to the god of romans and i realized that not only was i not good that the best the best person i knew wasn't good yeah, and that god's right. wrath was being stored up for us i was brought to a place of despair to the point to where the the gift of grace seemed glorious yeah. to me.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's a definition of good that we need to understand. That that you you weren't, yeah. You know, none, none when the says none are righteous. So you weren't righteous. But even at six years old, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when I probably understood the gospel more clearly when I was like 15 or 16. So from the time I was six to you know 15, uh, you know, I, I, I might consider myself good, you know. But but really, like when it goes back to what I was saying earlier, that the God, part of the understanding of the gospel is to understand that we were required to keep God's law and truth perfectly, one iota to the left. The sins of some people talk about the sins of omission, things we were supposed to do that we didn't do. That's okay. That's a strike against you. And then God is so holy, He can't bear to be in the presence of that. Rebellion towards him—that's how serious the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man is. Uh, So, so complete obedience. So, so if you're if you're not good because you got in drugs or whatever, then I'm not good because. Um, well, one of the laws is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's done that perfectly? And none of these people, we mentioned Graham and all this, none of them have done that. So we'll all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So I think we're we're we're, we're getting to this news. God's news is, is that he's holy. God's news, that's, that's something already done, is that he's established that we are sinners. The law came in to try to prove that to us. Like, uh, let's see if you can keep this in your own strength. Let's see if you can obey me completely. And finally, we got to the point where we're, where that has driven us, maybe to the altar, so to speak. It's driven us to our knees. It's like driven us to desperation. And, and again, I think that's that's missing, um, I, probably in every generation. But but I see it. You know, I can only report what I see. That it's that it's missing today. It's more like what you're saying. It's the it's either moralistic or therapeutic. You know, the moralistic is try harder, do better. You can kind of come up that scale, get a little closer to God because He's at ten and you're at four, but you're going to get to a six. Uh, and the therapeutic is is kind of the Joel Olstein: 99.5 percent of people are basically good. Right. You know. Okay. Well, then there's only 0.5 percent that need to get saved, uh, because if you know if you're good, uh, truly in God's definition of that, keeping obeying the law completely. And so you 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 see this. You can ask, you can ask anybody that really doesn't understand what Christ has done for us. You know, if you're a sinner, sometimes they'll say no. But if you ask them, like, did have you ever lusted? Have you ever, uh, you know, got angry? Well, and then everybody, oh, okay, yeah. Or or have have you, you know, the sins of omission or commission? The things you've committed. The, the you know, have you ever done these things? Well, then everybody, you know, the law shuts everybody's mouth. That's what the scripture says. So so people get that. So that's kind of the. I think we spent most of our time so far on the the missing elements of. True and the true gospel, or the simple gospel, as you've written about, um, and so we spend a lot of time, rightfully so, kind of talking about the elements that sometimes we're missing when we're proclaiming this good news, because it doesn't sound like good news so far. God's right. holy; that makes him distant from us. We're obliged to keep the law, and we've broken it, so we're far from God. We're lost. And then not only that, the wrath of God comes upon us. not, not only are we separate. a lot of people say well, our sin separates us from God rightfully, so, but but it's not just separation, it's wrath. it's it's the it's the eternal judgment of God as well. So salvation is more needed. The gospel is more needed than wealth, health, prosperity, family, health, joy enjoying life that you know this this is essential, you know, one oh one. And the gospel. But we were talking about some of the some of the things we need to understand first. Once we understand, okay, we get to the point where God's holy. I'm a sinner. I haven't kept the law. I'm under the wrath and judgment of God. Now what comes? Do because otherwise, if that's all we're saying, then right. we probably can't say that's good news. Like, no doubt. That's no pretty. Doubt that's it. kind of bad news. Like so. But you have to understand the bad news to appreciate there is you know glorious news. So so what are elements then? Come into play to well, to bring us to. Uh, we're in this. We are in this despicable, despairing, fallen nature. So, what does God do at this point?
0: Um, you know, just to. Dove, tell off that last statement leading into the next statement. You said something that I say and many preachers have said throughout the ages. I don't claim to have come up with this, but for the good news of the gospel to be good news, we have to understand the bad news. It'd be like me coming to you and saying, hey, Gary. Um, you know, I'm a pretty good incisionist and I could cut into you and, you know, pull something out of you and doctor you back up. You'd be like, you know, get away from Don't me. What are you talking him, about? <laughs> but if you came into a doctor's office and he showed you x-rays that showed you had malignant cancer in yeah. you, that's bad news. And once you appreciate the severity and the desperation of the bad news, yeah. then what he can accomplish is the good news. But we, the good news of God uh, is is really, is encompassed in the love of God, but is really, you um, And we'll talk maybe more about this in another session, but is really encompassed in the mercy and grace of God. And so now that we understand the situation we're in, right, um, what is the good news of the gospel? Well, one way you could say it is this. God, The good news of the gospel, the grace of God, the love of God is wrapped up in the mercy and grace of God. So what is mercy? Well, mercy is not getting what you do deserve, right? Right, So mercy is like you go before the judge, you're guilty, there's no doubt about all that stuff. You don't say, give me justice. No, you say, have mercy on me. So in the gospel, God has given us mercy. Mercy is he pardoned us from our sins. Christ bore the penalty on the cross um, through, you know, taking our penalty on himself the only one who could do it because he was the only one who could live a perfect life he's the only one who lived up to the law he's the only one who fulfilled it and so this this notorious mercy that god gives us to us pardons us from our past forgives us of our sins so mercy is great not getting what you do deserve yeah. but the beautiful the thing that makes the the beauty of the gospel so much deeper is the grace of god and so the mercy getting not getting something you do deserve and grace is getting something you don't deserve mm-hmm. so not that only did god pardon us our sins but he made us into what it says co-heirs with christ children of god and so um we could spend hours dissecting all of these sort of pieces mm-hmm. um but with what Christ did by his life, death and resurrection, he secured these two things for us, freedom from our past, mm-hmm. but also a, a a glorious future. And I think the reason a lot of times we don't tap into that so much is we we just aren't thinking in eternal terms. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that if I lived – listen, God blesses has blessed me tremendously in this life um, with a beautiful wife and a son and freed me from addiction is just – Given me peace and joy and prospered my hand i'm so thankful for these mm-hmm. things but the truth is is even if even if the rest of my days were left in suffering and um you know i died a horrible death on a mission field somewhere what what i'm fixated on is the idea is that i understand that i'm going to have eternal fellowship with god mm-hmm. and so maybe i you know took a sort of a right turn around what yeah. you said but i think those are two areas that we that you really have to dive into yeah. is that that not only you know it's not just bad news The 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 good news is so good yeah. that we'll spend our lives reflecting on absolutely. it. absolutely and you touched and, i'm and sorry we, and i was just going to say it before i pushed into yeah. the other place and that treasure isn't just life, eternal life, and that treasure isn't just uh, freedom from our past and our sins and um, mm-hmm. you know all the beautiful things that will come in the afterlife, but that treasure is actually Christ himself, yeah. and that is the substance of the gospel, yeah, Jesus is. Christ, and so I didn't mean to cut no, you
1: off. No, no, I, I interrupted you, but, it, but it was just as you were talking about mercy and grace, the The interesting thing about this is that mercy and grace. Some people ask the question. I'm sure you've heard this before. The progressive movement, uh, making a kind of a liberal view of the gospel today, would say this. Well, you know, what if God asks us to forgive one another just by simply, by edict? I choose to forgive, and I'll try to align my emotions to forgive. Why? Why? Why isn't God that merciful or gracious? Why, why? does He have to go through this, sending His Son, His Son suffering on the cross? Why? Why did God? You know, Isaiah says, you know, He 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 willed to, to, to cause that suffering of God. You know, and so they call that, you know, uh, a, a, a child abuse, uh, divine right. child abuse. Uh, so, so they they want to negate. Not only we were sinners. In need of a God but then they want to come okay if we did sin then God should be just as nice as us at least to say okay I'll be merciful on you or I'll be gracious to you but why couldn't God I don't say couldn't but why God set up a a unique setting in the world in the scriptures to to look at sin a different way, to look at his righteousness a different way. and from from you know you were talking about Genesis, from Genesis to revelation, the scripture is clear that our our guilt requires a penalty, it requires, and the penalty really is blood. There's going to be you know, this is going to cost your life. Your sin—that's that's how this wrath of God, the judgment of God, is is a punishment that that brings death, and death is, you know, the emptying of the blood. And so, you know, from from Genesis all through Leviticus, all through uh, Hebrews and into Revelation, it's the blood of Jesus that was required for. Us. So the good news is, is the grace and mercy are provided through a source of blood. Well, why? I mean, my question then is why? I start thinking to myself, what? Why was blood required? And we, and that's that's the, that's what we, we call the substitution, and maybe we'll get into that next episode. But let's right. let's spend a whole episode just talking about the substitutionary atonement
0: Definitely. that
1: that uh, we we because we were unrighteous, deserved the wrath and penalty and judgment of God, and we couldn't ever do any. We couldn't make ourselves righteous to. Now God say, okay, I'll excuse you now because you've worked hard enough. But he sent his son who lived and was required, and some people miss this when they're thinking of the gospel as well. Jesus couldn't have just been a good preacher, a good teacher, healed the sick, and then died for us. He had to live the law perfectly uh, so that he was the perfect lamb. Uh, If he had sinned like the other priests who sacrificed, then he could only offer up you know, blood of bull and goats for the sins of others but his own self would have to be that where so Jesus became that perfect sacrifice there, there's that replacement that there's that uh, substitution and that's so that's, that that again is another element people don't want to hear that we deserved death and that Jesus was died in our place as substitute we, we say he died for us but do we really go into the depth of what that what that means so, what, what where, where where are you thinking with that?
0: So, you know, like at the beginning of this, I talked about the holiness of God, the sinfulness of man, and the you know the amazing grace of Christ in the gospel. I feel like all go- all error, this sort of trichotomy here for me, you'll find the error in one of those three places. Right. So the error typically in our day and age, and very often is is the holiness of God. You know when we understand. The idea of why can't God just do this? We—it's the perfection of the attributes of God, and so one of the things that we we hear a lot is, you know, well, if God was loving, He would do this. But as a sin-stained, corrupted, depraved, imperfect human being, it is hard for us to understand. That that perfect love is also perfectly just,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right there. So you know,
1: sorry to interrupt, but the two the two are matched together so well that you know I I often say that, that you know if you love. Children, you're going to hate abortion. If you love God's institution of marriage, you're going to hate any deviation from that. Not not that you're homophobic, or not that you're you know you're not just living to become anti-abortion, but you're you love something so well, and I think that's 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 what we're talking about here. God's love is so rich and so deep that that His anger and His wrath is 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 matches that to some degree in a in a sense. And so yeah, so these deviations they're talking about. You talked about the holiness of God. Uh, I'd say the other would be the sin sinfulness of man. I'm, I'm sorry. No, yeah, Some I mean,
0: I, it just it always falls in one of those categories. Yeah. And so when we talk about, I think I think one of the biggest problems we have is, as is humans is really understanding the perfection of God. You know, all the the Bible doesn't say that God is loving, 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 or God is, you know, wrathful, wrathful, wrathful. The Bible does say that God is holy 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 superlatively right. yeah. and this is the explanation of all his attributes they're all perfect and so when we come to you know god's word or or we come to god as god we we understand that that there's a perfection in everything that god does and so we have to really deal with that before we can understand the meritorious sacrifice of Christ. Mm-hmm. So the death of Christ is, is something that we concentrate on a lot. But how about the fact that Christ became a baby? Yeah, I mean that the God of the universe, who spoke the world into existence, had to be carried in the arms of a of a fallen human. That God had to grow in the Bible says in knowledge and in stature. Yeah. you know that, that he himself. So this not only is it a sacrifice that he was he was killed um, for our, on our behalf that he or and on his side laid down his life, but that that he submitted himself to to humanity. I think in that space we find the great majority of answers for mm-hmm. all the questions now the person who doesn't know and believe that god is god and typically a progressive person doesn't believe in the sort of sovereignty the authority right. the the you know this sort of things of god because these questions are pretty much squashed in that um, it doesn't mean it's not okay to ask them. Uh, many meaningful people have asked these questions mm-hmm. and enriched us like C.S. Lewis, who came out of atheism, asked yeah. very important questions. But I think, I think it's in understanding the value of God and the value of Christ that we see the, the importance of this gift. And, no, and here's the most important thing. Nobody else could have done it. Right. There wasn't going to be another a Savior. Only God yeah. taking on flesh would be able to fulfill the law, and, I, and, and we don't have time to get into it. But I would say, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you know, the gospel uh, is, is laid out to us in the Beatitudes. Um, and then we see this imperfect in, in nature of man, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who meekly trust in God. And those people who hunger and thirst for be righteousness. And then there'll be these kind of people. They should be salt and light. But then it goes on to point at, at the law. You know, what does Jesus say? You know, it's not, not just if you killed somebody. You, did you have an inkling of anger? You know, that's, where the, that's what the root of it is. And now, have you ever committed adultery? Have you ever even looked at a woman with lust? Right. Um, or later when he says, you know, have you loved the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? But in the sixth chapter of Matthew, Jesus basically says in the end of chapter five and the beginning of chapter six, I did all these things. Yeah. This is what I did. And so what he did for us starts there. It's culminated in the cross, and it's being continued on as he sits at the right yeah, hand of God.
1: It's so and, true.
0: And so, you know, a question I wanted to ask you, we were, at, we were thinking through this the other day, maybe this isn't the right time to shift gears, redirect the conversation if you want to, but we were talking about the element of, of faith in that. so our our salvation this idea that you know we're saved by faith you know we're saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ you know Mm -hmm. and all of this Um, but when we come to this point of of faith in God because this is really where if we do add anything or do we that's a question question. do we add faith is faith something we add to the equation or because as I'm looking at Christ I realize that that, you know, it's telling me I gotta have faith in God. I gotta believe in this, and so we're, we're talking about the the form of how God accomplished salvation. And now I think my question back as I think about this and a lot of questions other people have so how how do I become part of this yeah. you know obviously if Christ, if Christ did everything and so yeah. what part does faith play in yeah. this
1: uh, that's an important question uh, let me back up a little bit though because I just want to comment first before we go into that subject on um, what you were saying about Jesus you know Matthew 5 and 6 I did this. I I I I did everything. I loved the father perfectly. I loved him with my whole heart, soul, mind. I love my neighbor as myself. I did it perfectly. That's that. You know that that's something to not wink at. That's something that's just like that causes us to. That's part of where worship comes, in. that's part of where adoration of the beauty of Christ, the splendor, the majesty, and then all these other words we find in Scripture—the supremacy of Christ. He's the only one who could do this. The preeminence—he's above us by, you know, other than us even. As we were saying earlier, so man, that's that's something to. I think there's so much to glory in, you know, not just the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, but the perfect life of Christ. Well, why? Why is that so glorious? Just because, like, we can cheer, like, hey, somebody finally made it. You know, there's been there's 20 billion people since creation of the world, and all of us failed. Hey, we finally can cheer on one superhero that made it. Partly, yeah, but I think something even more significant. Than that is that that righteousness that he won, I guess you could say, or affected in his own life perfectly. When he when he died on the cross, rose again. He had the right as the Son of God, uh, the only Son of God to to give to us not only forgiveness of sins but there's two things that re, uh, part of the good news is reconciliation with God to be reconciled with God requires two things one is forgiveness of sins everything we've done wrong we didn't live up to the sins of omission and commission have to be forgiven cleansed the blood of Jesus is, is the requirement of the law to, to cleanse unrighteousness but the other thing is that and only Christ could do this is the imputation of righteousness so required to be reconciled with God is the forgiveness of sins Jesus does that through his blood but he also requires then complete righteousness we can't get to heaven in our unrighteousness so we had to be given a righteousness not of our own so christ is the only one who could give that you can't give me your righteousness because it's imperfect if you gave me your righteousness i'd I'd still be just as unrighteous as i already am no one could give that to me only christ can give that and that's that now we're still really glorying in the good news of the gospel it's like oh i'm forgiven uh, but i'm righteous and I'm reconciled to God, um, and that that that's what you know. We're, you know, we're we're working on a, an idea for a book about the Book of Hebrews, and the title that you know the, the our working title is the jaw dropping beauty of Christ. Uh, this is what we mean when we're talking about how you know our jaw drops, our heart palpitates at a, a, a higher speed. You know, more more than looking at our newborn baby, more than looking at into our wife's eyes at at our wedding day. You know, we're we're looking into the looking unto Jesus we're considering Jesus we're we're not drifting away from him and so that that and why because that all of our sins cleansed and all of our righteousness and all of our reconciliation to God having an eternity as you said earlier an eternity with him is is beyond that and and then but then to go to your question okay then cuz everybody asks us right you've probably right when you're preaching about grace over the cross the with sovereignty of God. Well, people go. Well, wait a minute. You know, what's what's my role in this? And uh, just as a teaser, what I would like to do is come back next episode, and we're going to be talking about the the what, what is our role? Um, you know, uh, repentance, faith, obedience. Well, what what is there certain things that are required of us? and um and, and uh, yeah let's spend an hour just talking about that cuz and i think the the key verse for that i have to say is Ephesians 2:8 you know where we're saved by grace through faith this is not of your own this is a gift of god and and the idea behind that is which which is not of your own is it you know we're saved okay we're not saved but we know that and we're not we're not uh, grace is not of us it's of God but that what we usually tend to go is, but the faith is that's of me so it's two to one uh, and let, let's spend a good hour talking about that and then the, I, I really like to go back over and, and dig a little bit deeper into the substitutionary atonement some people call it the penal like the penalty substitution for our penalty so you'll join us again uh, next episode and we'll spend a good hour together I, I, I know I'm told podcasts are supposed to be short and sweet uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I don't care we're going we're gonna to dig into the to these truths, and I really pray that people will grasp the the importance of this. Uh, you know, these are these are not. It's not like our job and our finances and our marriage and our children are important, and these things are substitute uh, You know, the, are, are sort of a, s- a secondary thing, uh, an additive to our walk in this world. But it, that these things are central and as jesus said seek this and all these other things will be added unto Amen. you and so Amen. i think we're we're hitting on some things that i think are important in every generation but i think in particularly in this generation we're seeing such a deviation from the gospel and in future episodes too josh i want to joshua well, i want to talk to you about once you understand this gospel that we're talking about today it's easier to see the false gospels right and, and there are so many of them but what we're talking about today you can basically look at and say we have to to the best of our ability use the word of god to define the good news of the gospel of jesus christ salvation Um, therefore you can kind of say okay when somebody says that uh you know just just by we talked about that moralism or therapeutic gospel you're good you just need a little bit of uh enrichment—you uh, know—all of a sudden, those you know the 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 red, the red lights start flashing, the warning signals go off, I, wait a minute—that's yeah. a deviation from what we just said of what Jesus has done. It's putting righteousness back. Uh, you talked about moralism in, in our way. Any closing thoughts?
0: Yeah, I just uh, you know want to say one thing at the tail end of this. Uh, one is, I hope that maybe in one of those future episodes that we do dive into a little bit about the re- the beauty of repentance because yes. I feel like uh, the, the, the repent has such a sometimes a negative taste in our mouth but there's really such a beautiful a beautifulness to it but I, I you know I, I want to say that when we we talk about these things these Biblical and theological ideas, not to uh, sell knowledge. Just, right. I'm not trying to say that someone has to to be saved in Christ, that they have to fully, right. uh, you know, you have to go to some Bible college and then, yeah. you know, we'll that's take so a test good. and find yeah. out if you're a Christian. No, that's not the case. The thief in the cross, yeah. you know, saw God for who he was and cast his faith on him enough to, to be in Christ. And so that's a, that's a, such a, I'm so glad that story is included yeah. in the Bible. But it is important because there's nothing more important than this. And I think uh, eternity hinges on it. The way we live our life in this life hinges on it. And so when we, we study theology and we study doctrine, we don't study it to gain lofty knowledge, but to know God. Yeah. And as we know God better and we understand the gospel better, um, our surety and our salvation increases. Our our faith is, is enriched. And not only that, but we can share and articulate the faith that we have with others, like Peter said, you know, have an answer for every man yep. in regard to the faith. And so, um, I just want to make sure that that's that's the. There's some people are turned off by the the idea of doctrine, mm-hmm. um, or the idea of of studying the God's word deeply. And I won't jump back into the podcast, but I think it's because we have the gospel and salvation disconnected from the Christian life and discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. It's mm-hmm. one. It's one thing, and so. So pretty much I think we uh, everything else is probably be opening another can of worms at this point. But I do I do want to say this in the closing of this, just in case anybody's listening in the book of uh, Romans. It says, if you believe in your heart and, and confess with your mouth that Christ was raised from the dead, then you will be saved. There is a depth to that, but there's also a simplicity to yeah. it. And uh, as we talk about penal substitutionary atonement, as we talk about repentance, you know, it would be nice. And as we talk about Ephesians chapter 2, this mm-hmm. sort of great explanation of the holiness of God, the sinfulness of men, yeah. and the glorious gift of grace. Um, it's important to also be reaching our hands back out to people who may be struggling with with the surety of their salvation or yeah. or those things. And so I look forward to uh, getting my question about faith from you answered yeah, yeah, in yeah, the we'll, next podcast. Uh, good.
1: We'll talk about faith. We'll talk about <laughs> repentance. We'll talk about this. Uh, I think another you know, topic certainly is important, the assurance of our salvation. Definitely. Uh, because the, these are things we talked about today that God did for us. And I do think that just, um, you know, I'm so glad you brought up the, the thing of the simplicity of the gospel that the man on the cross my mind went to like if that man had lived longer, say the cross didn't kill him and he came down, well he would need the discipleship to understand what he did or he could easily be led astray. Right. You know, and so what we're doing is kinda of contending for the faith, saying, Okay, you know, if 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 you were to die today, a simple prayer to uh, ask Jesus to cleanse you and accept you into heaven. Jesus would honor that. Definitely. But if you lived another 20 years, I think He'd want you to know Him, like you're saying, and know His His truth, so that you're not drawn away by various winds of doctrine and things that that um, are, are deceptive and stuff. So, so I think. Understanding these things we're talking about are, are crucial, but yeah, like I, I so agree with you—not in not in head knowledge, but in heart gratitude. You know, these things should make us worshipful and uh, just excited to get about Jesus again. It refreshes. Definitely. Uh, just once again, um, you can—it's uh, not out yet. It'll be out uh, early part of next year, but you can order that, uh, pre-order that. It's uh, your favorite thing, and through World Challenge, we have uh, this new. Uh, we, we used to call Pocket Promise Calendar, now it's just called the Promise Calendar faith promises for your family uh, Josh just joining us a world challenge has um, uh, has put some books in uh, in our uh, bookstore and uh, you can you can order his books as well simple gospel the wor- the the hard words hard
0: we got simple gospel modern offense of the cross hard sayings, hard sayings Reconciling yeah. the cost of discipleship in the american dream yeah. and my newest book which is on christian discipleship which is called no. come and die
1: come and die good book i've read i read them all and love them all and uh, i would love you to read Thanks, Joshua, for being with us. look forward to our next episode together. Thanks Thanks. for joining us. God bless you all. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in the mission of World Challenge. Thank you for listening and supporting World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Visit us online at worldchallenge.org.